Seven times in Scripture we see, and I don't believe it's limited to this, but seven specific times in Scripture, God says, do this first, do this first, and then something else can happen. Do this first, put me first, put my word first, put my will first. And if you put me and those things first, he says, then this will follow. Over the next two weeks, I'm going to show you those seven things. I'm only going to go over four of them today. And everybody said, hallelujah, praise God, we can get out on time. Daniel chapter 10, verse 14, I just want to bring you up to speed. Daniel chapter 10, verse 14, the prophet Daniel, the man of God living in a tyrannical house, the man of God living separated from everything that he should have been, the man of God living in the most perverted and twisted culture that we could ever imagine, much less be a part of the leadership. Daniel in chapter 10, verse 14 says, now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future? For this vision concerns a time yet to come. Now, if you haven't caught on to this, I am, I am personally, I believe, probably a, a more so a vision guy. You have some people are very structured and administrative and, and they're really good at doing and taking care of the now. I, I am more so always and, and to, almost to a fault at times, always looking to what is next, what God has on the horizon. And, and that's not necessarily a huge strength, but when it comes to leadership and, and seeking God's will for what he has for you, I believe that we should all be that way. We should all be seeking God's vision, not just for where we are, because sometimes that can be discouraging. Where we are sometimes can be a little bit distracting. But if we seek first the kingdom of God and fix our eyes on Jesus, then we can know no matter where we are, he always has somewhere else for us to be. So we're willing to follow him. Vision is very simply the distance between my potential or my present, I'm sorry, the distance between my present location, my present reality, and my potential purpose. This is my vision. This is where we're going. When I get there, I'm going to ask God for more vision. I'm going to ask him for the next thing. I will continue to seek the Lord for vision as long as I have breath. I won't just worship him and praise him. I will seek him for where he wants to take me. I have not arrived, yet I always press on. And if that was good enough for the Apostle Paul, then it's good enough for Chris. I am not satisfied. I will never settle. I have learned to be content no matter my circumstances, but I still know I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. So where I'm going is always more than where I am. Vision does three things. I'll give it to you quickly. It creates opportunity for a new move of God. Creates opportunity for a new move of God. Here's the problem. Sometimes, as people, we just want God to keep doing the same old thing. 
Thank you for those amens. Y'all don't shout me down. I'm trying to get through this this morning. Vision creates a new opportunity. Opportunity for God to do something fresh and something new. And by the way, this generation is starving for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. They're tired of hearing about what has already happened. They want to know what has yet to happen and what they get to be a part of. And when we get God's vision, we create an opportunity for a new move of God. But sometimes we just want God to keep doing the same old thing because we've learned to be more comfortable with what we're experiencing than encountering the comforter who could take us to the next place. Create room, receive vision. Number two, it creates room for new people. New people. And by the way, people are heaven's treasure. And as long as heaven and hell are a reality, and eternity is something that we believe in, We will continue to do things that continue to make room for new people. We'll paint anything. We'll knock down anything. We'll sing anything. We will preach anything short of sin to do whatever it takes to make room for one more soul to know Jesus, find freedom, discover purpose, and impact somebody else's eternity. Vision creates room for new people, and that's why God, in a week of seeking, gave us the vision at this church that we are to exist for one primary purpose, to meet people and grow closer to God together. Number three... Vision will expand us. In fact, the further the expanse, the more my weaknesses are exposed. See, that's why we don't like God to do a new thing. The further the expanse, in other words, this is my present reality, and I like my present reality, that is my potential purpose, but when God gives me vision, the the distance between point A and point B, who I am and who I am not, is exposed. And I don't like to think about who I'm not. I don't like to think about my weaknesses. But the more vision God gives, the more the expanse begins to be revealed. The more my weakness. And by the way, that happens also when you're praying and fasting. That's why we love, I love starting off the first of the year. And if you want to fast again during 40 days of Lent, then go for it. I'm with you. I'm not going to do it with you, but I'm with you in spirit. I'm... I am, I am. I'm doing my 21 days right now, and I will fast as often as God leads me to personally throughout the year. But when you pray and you fast, God begins to expose things, not only in you, but as a congregation. God begins to reveal things. And everything that we have covered up begins to be exposed. So if your prayer life is weak, guess what? It's exposed. If your emotional stability is weak, it's exposed. If your time in his word is weak, vision will expose that weakness. Listen, if your love for others, your compassion, your serve is a little weak, 
then it will be exposed in God's vision. And here's what we do. Because we don't like to be exposed, we have a tendency. Because we don't like to be stretched. We don't like to be expanded. We have a tendency to dwindle God's divine vision down to a place where we can handle it. Because we would rather stay where we are than be exposed for what we're not. And we don't need to be that kind of people. In fact, I've refused to pastor that church or to be that pastor. Instead, I want to let God expand me. Let me give you a quick example. This happened to the Israelites. As they went on what should have been an 11-day journey, they spent 40 years in the wilderness and ended up dying there because they, that generation, would have rather returned to slavery than be stretched. Some of us go to a specific spot in our relationship with Jesus in our relationship with God, but then it becomes uncomfortable, or then it becomes discouraging, or then it becomes distracting, or then he begins to ask us for things he's never asked us for, and he begins to do things that he's never done before, and it causes so much discomfort in us that many people I have seen in my ministry tenure and in my life in the church, many people, instead of being stretched to where God wanted them to go, they returned to the slavery that he had delivered them from. I don't want to be that way. Because I know what I don't handle, I hand down. And that generation handed their problems down to their children and their children's children. And the nation of Israel is still suffering today from the lack of letting God expand his people. See, a lot of what God wants to do is going to happen in us before it happens through us. It's going to happen in my heart before it happens outside of my eyes. God wants to stretch me. God wants to change my spirit before he changes my surroundings. And in order to do that, God must be first. Okay, listen here, I want you to say that with me just to make sure everybody's in. Wake up your neighbor and say, hey, we're about to say something together. God must be first. One more time, God must be first. All right, I can prove it with scripture. But before I do that, I want to give you an illustration. I have a specific family member, and I won't say names for the, to protect the, innocent of the, or the innocence of the guilty. But um, I have a specific family member that has a hard time uh, staying on the road. Just is what it is. Um, I, I, have, I have heard of mailboxes being taken out from the avoidance of squirrels. I have, uh, and listen, if a squirrel runs out in front of you, just keep going straight. Y'all, it's not going to hurt you. may hurt them, but hey, buzzards have to eat too. It's a circle of life. Just keep going straight. Don't hurt yourself or your family. And actually, listen, what I have found over the years is if you swerve, you're more likely to hit that joker because they do this thing and they don't know what to do. And if you'll just stay straight, they'll get out of the way. True story. Slam on your brake and break somebody's nose to avoid a squirrel. That sucker. Go back, pick him up, clean him, and have a gumbo. It'll be great. But I have seen... Might want to edit that out for a second. Services say... I have seen... uh, what happens, when we, what happens when we get off track is that if you, if I just this person specifically, 
the, a rim will get bent or, or a, a tire will get chipped or very simply that, that wheel will get out of alignment. Okay, listen. And when, when the front, hear me, when the front gets out of line, it affects the entire vehicle. So what do you have to do? You have to go in and you have to buy a new $400 rim. Okay, I'm just, hypothetically. You have to go in and you have to get an alignment. Okay, many of you, uh, I, I, I love, I love chiropractor. I wish I had the anointing of chiropractor. I just, on myself, I've got to just, myself sometimes, but sometimes I get, I get really tight right in here in my neck and it actually affects my whole left arm. And then if I get tight in my rib, it affects my whole left side, which ultimately affects my, my comfort. And, and I have to go. And, and if you don't agree with this, it's okay. But for me, I, I have to go to what I call my personal chiropractor. And it is the preacher curl. That just happens to be. And the preacher curl is a thing. You put your arms over it and you curl like this. But I will go and I will turn around. And I'll visit my personal chiropractor and I will take a deep breath. And I'll blow out. And I will throw myself over that preacher curl. And my back will right up and I'll be, whoo, let's go. I got everything back sort of in alignment. It's close enough. I like to keep my money for things I can do myself. So I fixed it. I got it back in line. And on occasion, I have to go to those guys and our ladies and let them clean me up. But the point is, when something's out of line, hear me, when something's out of line, it affects everything else. Watch what Jesus said in uh, I believe this, I, I wrote John, but it's Matthew chapter 6. I just saw that. <clears throat> you guys have got to review my notes for me, man. I spend, anyways. Therefore, verse 31, I believe Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, it says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or or what shall we wear? Like, it's not that you can't ask those questions. It's that you shouldn't let those questions cause you anxiety. Okay? Instead, for the Gentiles, seek after all these things. Or, or the world seeks after these. The people that don't know God, they seek after those. Husbands, stop bumping your wives. You concerned about what you wear too. Don't none of y'all walk out in socks and boxers tomorrow morning. You think about it. Okay? You concern yourself. The Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly father knows. Come on, this should be comforting. Your daddy knows that you need them all. You need something to eat. You need something to drink. You need something to wear. You need a place to lay your head. God knows that you have need of them all. But watch this, verse 33. Seek, say this with me, first. Come on, one more time. Seek first the kingdom of God, right? That's what, that's what we're doing. The kingdom of God and who? And his righteousness and all. Come on, man, that is, oh, oh yeah. It's not up to me. <sighs> I have one responsibility, one main responsibility. Everything else is just something I'm called to, to take care of. I have 
one main responsibility that I seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And when I do that, when I get back in line with him, all these things that I'm always so anxious over and worried about, they get back in line too. That is good news for somebody today that you don't have to worry. So number one, if you're taking notes this morning, and by the way, we have those available online, eunicechurch.com slash notes. They're also on the back of your worship guide. Got you, Pastor John. I thought you were back there. You're not. That's okay. Uh, as worship guide or bulletin, whatever you want to call them, uh, those notes are right there. So number one, we need to, if you're taking notes today, and if you're not, I recommend you do, we need to align our priorities. Need to align our priorities. And listen, watch this. This happens here before it ever happens there. In fact, it happens here and here before it ever happens out there. You're not going to accidentally align your priorities tomorrow. You are going to accidentally get your priorities out of line tomorrow. I have never woken up. And spend an entire day neglecting God's will or purpose in my life. And look back over the day and go, I was completely holy today. I just stumbled right into that righteousness. Did you see that? How good I was today. No, friend. <laughs> That's not how that happens. In fact, the opposite happens. And we need to align our priorities. First Thessalonians chapter 5, I believe you've got right book on this one. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, Now, now, I love these now, we keep saying now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your, watch this, whole spirit, first spirit, soul, emotions, desires, and body flesh, physical, be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, spirit, spirit, our knowing, our acknowledging of God, our spirit comes first, then our soul, our emotions, our desires comes next, and then our bodies, our physical, our flesh, all those things that we want, okay? If that is not in line if your body, the problem is most of us put our bodies first instead of putting our spirit first. We put our, our body first. I, I want this. I want to drive that. I want to live there. I want to wear that. I want to be them. I want to eat that. Come on, somebody. I want to drink that. Who? Listen, when your spirit is in line the way that it's supposed to be, you will not desire the same things anymore because he will put in you the desires that he has for you and you'll no longer want to wear that, go there, drink that, eat that, be at that place, do that thing. We have got to first seek his kingdom. It's the same, if you will, just a line in your head, spirit, soul, body. Now do this, Jesus, husband and wife or parents and children. You letting your body, your feelings, you following your feelings are feeding your flesh and your body over your spirit and your soul is like me letting my children run my household. 
Listen, I like macaroni and cheese. I really do. Can't have it right now, but I like it. I do like it. But if I ask my kids, what do you want for dinner? We are going to eat every day this year what you want for dinner. Y'all, we would be on a macaroni and cheese fast until December 31st of 2019. When, when Megan and I were trying to seek God's will for where we should go and what we should do because God wanted our, our, our landlord wanted our house and we were in Chandler, Texas and we, we knew that was just a seasonal assignment but God had something more. I didn't go to my four-year-old and say, Gabriel, what do you think, Bubba? What's God saying to you? I want to go park. I was like, okay, God wants us to go to the park, baby. This whole thing's about the park. no. No. Now, I'm not saying that as your kids age, you shouldn't value their input. In fact, as they become teenagers, I sat with my baby girl in the office this morning. She came to me. She said, Daddy, I want to vote. I was like, oh, got a few years there, sweetness. I mean, (laughs) about 12 to be exact. No, I want to vote. I want to vote on the church today. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I care about you. You tell me what you think Jesus is telling you. And I'll take it into consideration. Your vote counts. I care what you think. Doesn't mean that I don't value their input. Listen, the Spirit of God values your input. He cares about what you care about. The Spirit cares about the body. But the Spirit stays in control of the body. The body doesn't make the decisions for the Spirit. We need a realignment. The second thing we need to realign is our relationships. We need to align our relationships. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, if you're giving an offering, if you're offering a gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first, first be reconciled to your brother and or sister And then come offer your gift. So, in other words, if you have unforgiveness or bitterness or offense with another individual, your offering doesn't account for what it could have accounted for. You shouldn't give it when you have that. And some of you, hang on, because I got you, hang on. Some of you are like, well, don't worry about it. I wasn't going to give it anyways. I'm free now. Because that person's mad at me, I don't have to give today. No, no, no. The scripture says, leave your gift at the altar. Come on, somebody. Doesn't say hold on to your gift and take it with you. It says, leave your gift. You knew the preacher was going to find a way to make that right. Leave your gift at the altar and go and make sure. Do you know some of you have bondage in your life because you have bitterness with another person? And your bondage would go away if you just take care of that bitterness. In fact, you have areas of your life where you can't find obedience because you have areas of your life where you're still holding offense. And if you just take care of that offense, God would take care of your obedience. But if he can't get you to be obedient here, he can't get you to be obedient over there. And some of us never take the next step because we didn't take the first step to align our relationships. And God will receive our offering. When we align our relationships with our loved ones, with our spouse, with our significant other, with him first and foremost, with those whom we shouldn't even forgive, 
When we offer that because freely it was given, freely we give. When we offer that, God will receive our offering. And then I believe, I believe this. And if you don't like this, that's okay. You can disagree, but you can't have the microphone. I'm just saying, okay? I believe that when we, that's funny right there. I didn't even have, that's not even there. God will receive our offering and reward us openly. When, when we let that offense go to the foot of the cross, just like Jesus did for our sin, when we let that offense be buried in the tomb, just like Jesus carried ours, God will receive our offering and reward us openly. Number three, we need to align our authorities. Right, what does that mean? Hang on, hang in there with me. Because we're going to go into the, what I call the gumbo mud a little bit today. We need to align our authorities. And, and by the way, I'm speaking spiritually. Because the word of God says that you don't have any control over the authorities that you have in your life physically. In fact, you are to honor those authorities as if you are honoring him. Because the only authority that is given was actually given by God. And that means whether Nero is in the, uh, in the throne room or Jesus is in the throne room. It's God's person and God's timing. And we're not to break the line of authority. Even Paul lined up with the authority, okay? Doesn't mean we didn't, shouldn't pray for them. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't take a stand and communicate our convictions. That's not what I'm saying. But we do not become dishonorable and disloyal and call it holiness and righteousness. We are to align our authorities, but today I'm speaking spiritually to authorities. This is another place where Jesus said first things are important. Watch this, verse 28 of Matthew chapter 12. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, and I always want to go, woo, right there. I don't know why I want to do that, but I just, woo, you know, it's just because we, we have this idea of these things. And, and we asso- the problem is, is that we associate spiritual warfare with Hollywood because we don't practice it personally. Anyways, but verse 20, 28, if the Spirit of God is the one in which I cast out the demon. Watch, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So it's, it's not this fruit loopy, throw stuff around and be crazy and shout and scream. It doesn't even need that. Jesus never shouted and shook a whole lot of people that I've read about. Now, if you sign the place, then you let me know. But Jesus spoke to that thing, and that thing had no more authority. And if that happens, and it's of the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You are now in the presence of the throne room of the Holy of Holies. And verse 29 says, how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first... Unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. And whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now listen, the strong man in this passage represents Lucifer or the enemy or the power and principalities of darkness. And here's what Jesus is saying. If you try to go in his house and take back the plunder before you bind him, then you are out of line. You need to realign the authority. 
authorities in your life. So the first thing you do is you take power and authority over the enemy because of the king that you serve. Listen, friend, we cannot live a pacifist lifestyle. We are to live a passionate lifestyle. And at times, the scripture says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There are times when I've got to take authority in the name of Jesus and stop assuming that everything's just going to work out. I cannot just assume when I have been given. Somebody needs this. I cannot just assume when I have been given authority. I don't operate in assumption. I operate in authority. So when the enemy tries to take my joy, I don't assume it's just going to come back. I operate in authority that it's going to come back. When the enemy tries to steal my dream or take my babies or mess up my marriage or mess up with my mind or my finances or my future, my family or my blessing, I don't sit around and hope that something good is going to happen. I stand up and speak to the authority. I bind the strong man. Now, I don't know who this is for today, but I believe that there are some of you right now that need to take authority. You need to stop listening to a preacher and you need to become one in your own house. You need to take authority over that which the enemy is trying to steal from you. And I say right now in the name of Jesus that the strong man be bound in your life. I speak right now in the name of Jesus that the enemy has been overcome. That he has no right in your house. He has no right in your children or your children's children. He has no right in your finances. He has no right in your family. He has no right in your future, in your joy, your dreams, your marriage, your spouse. I take back authority in the name of Jesus and I put that authority in you. Who am I talking to today? I'm taking authority in the name of Jesus and I say, devil, what you took back, I'm exposing. So now you got to give back seven times what you thought you had in Jesus, if that's for you, I just want you right there. Lord, that's for me. I receive that. You might want to throw your hands up and stop being so passive because I can promise you that the attack of the powers and principalities of darkness are not sitting around and hoping that they can get something done. They are violent and the violent take it by force. But when you stand up and you speak up, the violent become like sheep led to a slaughter and the will of God comes to pass in your house. We have authority authority number four last point a line I have spit all over the front of this a line father help us to align our heart with you Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 says, And one of them, a lawyer, (laughs) asked him a question to test him. Verse 36 says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind for this is the great and first 
commandment. It's the great and first. In other words, if you don't get this right, if you don't align this, every evil thing comes out of the heart of man. But when you align this thing, it affects everything else. In fact, hang on, but you know, we get excited about the things in our lives that are the most active. But we get uncomfortable with the things in our life for which we are the most unfamiliar. What God wants to do spiritually should not make us uncomfortable. But the reason it makes us uncomfortable is because we're unfamiliar with it. But when we become active in the things that God has for us, we will no longer become uncomfortable. We will become energized and excited because what we are excited about is actually just a product of what is most active in our lives. So the next thing that the scripture says is, now love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, loving yourself is extremely important or you're not going to have any love to give to your neighbor. See, some of your greatest enemy is not the powers and principalities of darkness. You hadn't even gotten there. You're still dealing with you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I want to say it this way. You need to beware the voices on the inside. The reason that the Israelites didn't inherit the promised land was not because of the giants in the promised land. The reason that the Israelites didn't inherit the promised land is because 10 of 12 spies came back and said, we can't do it. It can't happen. It's impossible. The reason that many people don't inherit what God has for them is not because of the giants on the outside, but the voices on the inside. It's never the giants that keep you out of the promised land. It's the voices on the inside. It's the people you surround yourself with. It's your circle of friends. It's sometimes your family, God forbid. But it's the listening, most, on, most of all, and most importantly, to the voice in your spirit. Let me tell you what the voice on the inside should be saying. I am a child of God. I am anointed by the one who's coming back. I'm going to learn who Jesus says I am. I'm going to ignore who they say I'm not. I'm going to walk with him and let him show me the way. I am above and not beneath. I am the head and not the tail. I am a holy people, a royal nation, chosen and anointed to be part of a priesthood of things that go way beyond beyond this life. I am a follower of Jesus and therefore I'm a leader of men. I have authority in his name and I can be who he says I am. That's the voice on the inside. I don't listen to all the there's a choir of distraction and some of them are the people closest to you but some of them are you. You're listening to the wrong voices and you become what you believe. 
So believe something different. Stop listening to the voices on the inside and learn who Jesus says you are. Knit together in your mother's womb. Fearfully and wonderfully I made you. You're a child of God if you are. Father, right now I pray that you would help us in this place to discern, to hear, to evaluate, to adjust. Holy Spirit, expose us, stretch us, open us up. Right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm talking to you. Hang in there if you don't know. But for the followers of Jesus in the room, I want you to evaluate, evaluate your life, your first, first part of your day, first part of your week, first part of your finances, first part of your family, first part of your year. Your first, your priorities. Do they align? Ask the Lord, He'll tell you. Authorities, do they align? Relationships, God bless the house of God to stop being so divided. Spirit of unity come back to the saints of God. Something out of line. Do I need to deal with that? Because until you deal with that, you can't take the next step until you take the first step. I you to ask the Lord. I want you to write it down. I want you to fast and pray for the next 14 days. Some of you could take care of it at the end of this service with one phone call. But some of us need to develop new habits. That's going to take a little time. We got to stop being fulfilled only by progress and start taking substance in the process as God's children. Now for anybody in the room, I'm talking to you if you know your heart is not in line with Jesus. You know that your life does not represent the fruit of salvation. Your life does not represent a believer of Jesus Christ. You may have heard about it your whole life. You may have attended every service and or mass that has been offered to you since the day that you were christened. But you know that your heart, your heart is not in line with God's. I got good news. It's the gospel. For there is no one righteous, no, not one. For we all fall short of God's glory. That's sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And in him there is therefore now, now, right now, today, as soon as you lift your hand, as soon as you pray that prayer, right now, as soon as you repent of that lifestyle, as soon as you recognize that you need a Savior, right now, today, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in him? Or do you need to ask? The Bible says clearly, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Your heart, your heart. 
I want to ask you with every head bowed and every eye closed and saints praying all over this room that the Holy Spirit would blow through here and have his way. If your heart is not in line with Jesus, we're going to pray for you. You're going to pray for yourself. And if you'd like to be included in that prayer, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are and say, hey, that's me. I see you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Praise God. Come on. Don't be bashful. Recognize the Lord before men. and He'll recognize you before all the earth and all of creation. Anybody else? My heart is not in line with you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I need to receive. Thank you, bro. I see you. Jesus' name. Come on, Lord, I pray right now you just blow through this place. Lord, if they're not in you, let us receive. Let us receive. Come on, I want you to pray whether you lifted your hand or whether you didn't. Some of you have prayed this prayer before. Pray it again. Believe it. Confess it. Stay in the process. If you lifted your hand, even if you didn't, pray this prayer out loud all across this sanctuary. Jesus, forgive me where I get out of line. Help me to have your heart. I believe you died on the cross. You were raised from the dead. You gave your life so that I could live. I want to follow you. Save me. Cleanse me. Take my life. Make it yours. I align myself with you. My spirit with your spirit. My soul with your soul. My body with your body. Take me and use me for your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give God praise in his house this morning.